Hello, brothers and sisters in Christ. This is another Liberty from Captivity podcast. I am your host, Kelly Ward. Today is Tuesday, January 24th, 2023. This is episode number 16, and the title of today's show is True Prophecy versus False Prophecy. As you can see, this show is about prophetic words. For those of you who may be a new listener to this show, I have been a longtime follower of the works of Glenda Lomax, who has the Just Praise Him ministry. She has an amazing prophetic gift and puts out words on her website along with podcasts and sermons. My first podcast ever was when I was a guest on her show. It was the springboard I needed to get this ministry started. In fact, I received a prophetic word through one of her podcasts where God was telling me to start this ministry. Anyway, for the last few months, I have been really burdened by some prophecies I had been hearing about how they are diametrically opposed to other prophets. As I have listened to some of these words, I had something on the inside of me that just felt very uncomfortable. I remember praying and asking something like, Lord, why do these words stand in stark contrast with what Glenda has been prophesying? What spirit is in operation? I didn't hear a voice, but I continued to ponder on this issue and decided to investigate this further. So what I want to impart to you are some verses from the Bible that will help you to distinguish between the true prophetic and the false prophetic. I also want to provide some examples of false prophecies as well as to give some characteristics of true prophecies. And by the way, I don't know whether or not it's biblical to name names of people that I believe are false prophets. So to be safer, I prefer not to be guilty of gossip and slander, and instead to explain why I believe the prophecies are false. I also want to explain the purpose of true and false prophecies. Also, this podcast will be longer than most that I have done. I try to keep them to about 30 minutes or less, And I even tried to cut it in half, but it wasn't exactly half. It was more like four pages uh, versus eight pages. So it's going to be a longer show. So let's get started. Let's discuss what prophecy is. I really like the concept of the principle of first mention. That means that the first time something is mentioned in the Bible, it sets the basic definition for the entirety of the Bible and your Christian walk. Of course, God can expand its meaning later. In the book of Genesis, we see the fall of man due to sin in the Garden of Eden. In Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve ate the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, something they were commanded not to do. God was talking to them, and we see the first prophecy in Genesis 3 verse 15. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. This was a foretelling of what was to come, but it would take many centuries before it would occur. And that was God's plan to send His only Son into this world to die on the cross so that He may redeem us. According to Easton's Bible Dictionary, prophecy is a miracle of knowledge, a declaration or description or representation of something future beyond the power of human sagacity to foresee, discern, or conjecture. If I may simplify a little further, a prophecy is simply the foretelling of a future event. The Bible is replete with prophecy, but I want to list a few of them so that you get the idea a little better. The book of Isaiah records the virgin conception of Jesus. Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. 
Matthew records that this was fulfilled. Matthew chapter 1 verses 22 through 23. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Remember all the trouble David had because he committed adultery and murder? The prophet Nathan was sent to tell David the consequences of his sin, and it started with a parable of a poor man who had a lamb that was a cherished family member. It was like a daughter to this man, but the lamb was stolen and cooked for someone else to eat. Now I want to pick up in 2 Samuel chapter 12, verses 7-12. through 12. Then Nathan said to David, You are the man. Thus says the Lord God of Israel, I anointed you king over Israel, and I delivered you from the hand of Saul. I gave you your master's house and your master's wives into your keeping, and gave you the house of Israel and Judah. And if that had been too little, I also would have given you much more. Why have you despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight? You have killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword. You have taken his wife to be your wife, and you had killed him with the sword of the people of Ammon. Now therefore the sword shall never depart from your house, because you have despised me and taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will raise up adversity against you from your own house, and I will take your wives from before your sight and give them to your neighbor, and he shall lie with your wives in the sight of the sun. For you did it secretly, but I will do this thing before all Israel, before the sun. As you continue to read about David's life, he was plagued with family strife, drama, and the death of family members. His firstborn son to Bathsheba died. Absalom had relations with David's wives for all of Israel to see. His son Ammon raped his daughter Tamar. Then Absalom had Ammon murdered. Then Absalom died as well. His son Adonijah conspired to become king instead of Solomon, whom David appointed king after his kingship. After the death of David, Adonijah was assassinated. What a terrible and tragic life David lived. Now that we know that what prophecy is, we need to know what a prophet is. According to the Lexham Theological Word Book, it is defined as the following. In the Old Testament, a prophet is a person, either male or female, who functions as God's spokesperson and is commissioned by him to deliver his word, either to individuals or to groups. The prophet receives the word of God through various means, including dreams, visions, and theophanies. In the New Testament, a prophet is one whom God has equipped, alongside apostles, pastors, and teachers, to lead the church through the edification and encouragement of believers. Through this definition, a prophet serves as a spokesperson for God. They receive a message from God and deliver it to the intended audience. It may be a wide audience like in a church setting, or it may be a personal prophecy. Some of the more significant prophets you might recognize in the Bible are Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi. There are others like Abraham, Moses, Samuel, Elijah, Elisha, and Jesus Christ. Also, the book of Judges records that there was a prophetess named Deborah. So, based on that definition that we read earlier, 
they can be male or female, and we see that in the word. If they are male, they are called a prophet, and if they are female, they are called a prophetess. So now what I would like to do is to provide a biblical account of true prophecy versus false from 1 Kings chapter 22, verses 1 through 28. Since this is such a long read, I will summarize verses 1 through 12 and quote the remaining verses. There was a war between Israel and Syria. There were two kings in Israel as it was a split kingdom, Jehoshaphat the king of Judah and Ahab the king of Israel. Jehoshaphat visited Ahab and discussed possible plans to conquer Ramoth-Gilead in Syria. Jehoshaphat asked Ahab to inquire of the Lord of their plans. Ahab summoned about 400 prophets to ask if they should go to war or not. They said in verse 6, Go up, for the Lord will deliver it into the hand of the king. In verse 7, it seemed that Jehoshaphat had some godly discernment because he asked, Is there not still a prophet of the Lord here that we may inquire of him? Ahab responded in verse 8 with, There is still one man, Micaiah, the son of Imlah, by whom we may inquire of the Lord. But I hate him, because he does not prophesy good concerning me, but evil. The other prophets continued in verse 12, stating, Go up to Ramoth-Gilead and prosper, for the Lord will deliver it into the king's hands. Now I will read 1 Kings chapter 22, verses 13 through 23. Then the messenger who had gone to call Micaiah spoke to him, saying, Now listen, the words of the prophets with one accord encouraged the king, Please, let your word be like the word of one of them, and speak encouragement. And Micaiah said, As the Lord lives, whatever the Lord says to me, that I will speak. Then he came to the king, and the king said to him, Micaiah, shall we go to war against Ramoth-Gilead, or shall we refrain? And he answered him, Go and prosper, for the Lord will deliver it into the hand of the king. So the king said to him, How many times shall I make you swear that you will tell me nothing but the truth in the name of the Lord? Then he said, I saw all Israel scattered on the mountains as sheep that have no shepherd. And the Lord says, These have no master. Let each return to his house in peace. And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, Did I not tell you that he would not prophesy good concerning me but evil? Then Micaiah said, Therefore, hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne, and all the host of heaven standing by, and on his right hand and on his left. And the Lord said, Who will persuade Ahab to go up, that he may fall at Ramoth-Gilead? So one spoke in this manner, and another in that manner. Then a spirit came forward, and stood before the Lord, and said, I will persuade him. The Lord said to him, In what way? So he said, I will go out and be a lying spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. And the Lord said, You shall persuade him and also prevail. Go out and do so. Therefore, look, the Lord has put a lying spirit in the mouth of all these prophets of yours, and the Lord has declared disaster against you. So we see here, 400 prophets spoke lies, while only one spoke the truth. Behind the scenes, a lying spirit was used to have the 400 prophets prophesy falsely. If you continue reading the rest of 1 Kings chapter 22, you will find out that Ahab dies in battle after he stated in verse 28, If you ever return in peace, the Lord has not spoken by me. So hopefully this helps you to see that there are true and false prophets and true and false prophecies. 
Now that you know what a prophet or prophetess is and what their role is, let's turn our attention to the purpose of prophecy. When God wants to execute judgment on a nation for their iniquities, he will have a prophecy delivered to the people first. And this is because Amos chapter 3 verse 7 says, Surely the Lord God does nothing unless he first reveals his secret to his servants the prophets. Prophecy is also for edification and exhortation. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 verses 1 through 5 says, Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God, for no one understands him. However, in the Spirit he speaks mysteries. But he who speaks prophecy speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. That word edification is oikodome, which means make more able, building up, strengthening. And exhortation is the Greek word periklesis, which means encouragement, comfort, and consolation. Resuming in verse 4, He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesied. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues, unless indeed he interprets that the church may receive edification. So far we have discussed what prophecy is, what a prophet is, and the purpose of prophecy. I want to take a moment to talk about the fact that the gifts of the Spirit are still in operation today, prophecy included. There are many that believe that the gifts of the Holy Spirit died with the last apostle. That is false. This is known as the cessationist doctrine. But nowhere in the Bible is it stated that the gifts have stopped. Some people will cite 1 Corinthians 13.10 and lift this verse out of context to explain away their unbelief. And I find it interesting that the same people who cite 1 Corinthians 13.10 don't seem to mention that this verse is sandwiched between chapters 12 and 14 that talk about the gifts of the Spirit. I like what Paul said in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 19-22. through 22. Do not quench the Spirit. Do not despise prophecies. Test all things. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. So we see here that prophecy is needed. We are not to despise it. And they didn't go away. Now let's turn our attention to what can go wrong and how. God gave us prophecy for a reason, but the enemy, as usual, perverts everything he touches, and he has definitely done so with prophecy. There are many warnings in the Bible about false prophecy. So let me break these down into categories and explain each. The first category is what I'm calling the wolf in sheep's clothing prophets. These are false prophets who purposely try to mislead people or just not of God at all. These are fairly easy to spot. Matthew 7 verses 15 through 20 says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit. But a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, 
by their fruits you will know them. This is an example of someone who is purposely trying to mislead God's people. But the point is, you can see their fruit to understand how they live their lives. If someone prophesies and you see their lives are a mess, they're stuck in sin, and live contrary to God's word, it is difficult to believe them because they are not walking the walk, as we would say. 1 John 4, verses 1-3 through 3, Behold, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God, and every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of Antichrist, which you have heard was coming, and is now already in the world. This is pretty clear that not every spirit can be believed. It may sound good, it may feel right, but that can be dangerous because in this walk, we are not to be guided by our emotions or what we think. It's based on the Word of God. But here, this is talking about an Antichrist spirit. This sounds like it's talking about someone who may claim to speak for God, but uses some twisted doctrine to do it. One example I can think of is Joseph Smith, the founder of the Mormon religion. He believed the Bible was corrupt and insufficient, so he wrote the Book of Mormon. This definitely was the work of an Antichrist spirit, and surely many others. This book and its religion are destructive and has caused many to go to hell. So Peter gave a warning in 2 Peter 2 verses 1 through 3. But there were also false prophets among the people, even as there will be false teachers among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who brought them, and bring on themselves swift destruction. And many will follow their destructive ways, because of whom the way of truth will be blasphemed. By covetousness they will exploit you with deceptive words. For a long time their judgment has not been idle, and their destruction does not slumber." There are more verses on this, but it would be a long read, so I want to give you some suggestions for further reading so that you can study this more on your own, in accordance with Acts chapter 17, verse 11. So number one, you can read about Elijah, a true godly prophet, versus the prophets of Baal in 1 Kings chapter 18, verses 1 through 40. Number two, Jeremiah 23 verses 9 through 40. And this is really good because God says he is against those who prophesy and then attach his name to it. Number three, also check out Jeremiah, a true prophet, versus Hananiah, a false prophet, in Jeremiah 28, verses 1 through 17. So we covered wolf and sheep's clothing prophets. I want to talk about another classification. And this is called the dual stream prophets or deceived prophets. These types of false prophets genuinely seem like good godly people. They seem to really love the Lord and have good hearts and good intentions. They may prophesy something that's genuinely from the Lord, but there may be a mixture of false prophecy. Sometimes what they prophesy sounds easy on the ears. You know, none of us wants to hear a hard message, right? None of us ever wants to hear that judgment is coming or disasters or economic collapse, which sounds like it's about to happen very soon, by the way. 
It's so easy to listen to something that's smooth and puts us at ease. But this can be a dangerous place. 2 Timothy 4 verses 1 through 5 I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, convince, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. But you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. This is so true today. There are many well-meaning Christians who pay attention to false prophets who are saying things that get their focus off of God and to believe things that are simply not going to happen. It's really sad to see so many Christians duped due to lack of discernment. I'm not saying this to condemn anybody either, because some of the things that I've heard I would have loved to happen. I have also seen where Christians seem to idolize some of these false prophets and idolize the prophecies that they say. So you may be asking yourself for examples of false prophecies. So here are some that I believe are false. And I think some of them, as I read them, it'll be obvious why they're false. I'll give just a simple, quick explanation. Okay, so one of them is Trump would be restored to office in 2022. This obviously did not happen. Nancy Pelosi would die before the midterm elections. From what I see, she's still alive. Another one would be a hurricane would miss Florida. Well, Hurricane Ian and Nicole affected Florida, and Ian was very, very damaging. A hurricane or storm would hit Washington, D.C. Perhaps this one happened, and I just don't remember it. I heard one back in 2021, and it was called, he referred to it as Christmas in November. I think it was prophesied that whatever event this was, that people would be dancing in the streets. The impression I got was that this would be a nationwide thing. This didn't happen. I didn't see this anywhere. As far as I can see, November of 2021, November of 2022, seem like there wasn't anything miraculous that happened that would cause people to dance in the streets. Another one, and this is one that I think people have to be really careful with, and that is time travel and trips to heaven. While I know that this can happen, like Paul and John, I would say that it's rare. I do believe that there have been some people here on earth who have had trips to heaven, and I think that they're absolutely real. Many of the testimonies, though, that I have heard from some people, they seem very bizarre and nearly just impossible to refute. They don't seem to be edifying and just very, very strange, so I just call these things into question. Cryptocurrency investments. I'm glad I didn't listen to this one. I probably would have lost my shirt if I had. However, maybe it's still possible considering that the U.S. is looking at switching to digital currency. This one was a good one. The time of the end isn't now. I mean, seriously, are you kidding me? All you have to do is look around and see the obvious signs. This one is probably the most damaging 
because if you really believe this, it can cause you to relax, which is exactly what the enemy wants you to do. Here's another one. Trump, Trump, Pence, Pence. How I understood this was that Trump would be president for two terms as well as Pence in consecutive order. Well, Trump may have technically won, and I think he did, but he wasn't put in after his first term, so this didn't happen. Walker would be elected in Georgia. This didn't happen. Moving the goalposts when prophecies fail. If there are dates or seasons attached to prophecies and they didn't happen on that date or in that season, then it's false. What happens sometimes is the goalpost gets moved, so to speak, in order to cover for the false prophecy. The financial system would be gold-backed again. From what I'm seeing, they're trying to take the U.S. to a type of digital currency. This seems opposite of having our money gold-backed. Some of the prophecies sound very similar to the QAnon nonsense. I don't quite understand Q, but in my opinion, and it is my opinion, it seems to be designed to put your trust and faith in something that's always on the horizon. My suggestion is to not put faith in any of the Q nonsense. I think it's just a big psychological operation or PSYOP anyway. You may be wondering how prophecies can be false. Let's look at Deuteronomy 18, verses 15 through 22. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your midst, from your brethren. Him you shall hear according to all you desired of the Lord your God in Horeb in the day of the assembly, saying, Let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God, nor let me see this great fire any more lest I die. And the Lord said to me, What they have spoken is good. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brethren, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. And it shall be that whoever will not hear my words, which he speaks in my name, I will require it of him. But the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name, which I have not commanded him to speak, or who speaks in the name of other gods, that prophet shall die. And if you say in your heart, how shall we know which the Lord has not spoken? And here is what I want to emphasize in verse 22. When a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if a thing does not happen or come to pass, that is the thing which the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken it presumptuously. You shall not be afraid of him. So Deuteronomy 18 verse 22 is the true test. This is pretty plain. If what a prophet said doesn't come to pass, then it's false. Jesus gave a strong warning about the times we live in, including false prophets. So let's look at Matthew 24, verses 4 through 12. And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled. For these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended, 
will betray one another and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. Deception seems to be the name of the game with false prophets and false prophecies. This is one of the purposes, to deceive. If Jesus warned us about this, then it's important to be vigilant. And I want to expound a little more on what I mean by a dual stream prophet. The phrase dual stream is something I picked up from Dr. Lake and Mary Lou on the Kingdom Intelligence Briefing podcast. I think this is an easy way to describe the spiritual condition of people who have not undergone deliverance. Dual stream means that someone has the Holy Spirit in their spirit, but they also have demons in their soul and or body. This is the case with most Christians as a majority have never been through deliverance. Many Christians also lack good discernment too. And the audience that listens and believes it is, I would say, a pretty large following. What happens is they can hear the Holy Spirit, but maybe not clearly. Or they may hear a mixture due to demons in their soul or body, which contaminates what God is really trying to say. In other words, there can be demonic interference that affects how someone hears. For example, there can be demons like familiar spirits or kundalini spirits that operate as a false Holy Spirit. The person hears things, but it's not God, and they think they're hearing the Holy Spirit. Thus, they themselves are deceived. Kundalini spirits come from Hindu religions where they are trying to open what they call the third eye. These demons infect the Hindus because they are purposefully inviting them. They enter and wrap around their spine. They shake and convulse uncontrollably. My understanding is in Greek culture, this spirit was also known as a python spirit because again, it wraps around the spine. Another common element is it gives these people the ability to prophesy. Obviously it's false, but they move in a supernatural way. They may also have a lying spirit, as we learned about from 1 Kings 22, 19-23, when Micaiah prophesied to kings Jehoshaphat and Ahab. They could also have a spirit of divination that they were never delivered from. We see in Acts 16 that there was a woman who had a spirit of divination. Notice how she was saying the truth, but her behavior was ungodly. That's how sneaky the enemy can be. Acts 16, verses 16 through 19. Now it happened as we went to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed with a spirit of divination met us, who brought her masters much profit by fortune-telling. This girl followed Paul and us, and cried out, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, who proclaim to us the way of salvation. And this she did for many days. But Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that very hour. But when her masters saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. As I mentioned, one of the purpose of false prophets is to deceive people. They deceive the host and the people who listen. But I submit there is another reason, and that is to make God look bad. If people buy into the lies and it doesn't work out, they can think that God isn't real and just walk away. 
This is especially important to non-Christians or Christians weak in their faith, as the gifts can be used to reveal that God is real to them. So really, it's still deception. And making God look bad is something I notice in some of the Kundalini manifestation videos from different church services, where people convulsed uncontrollably, acted like animals by howling and crawling around on all fours, and was way out of order and self-control. I have provided a lot of information, so now the question is, how do we discern a true prophet or prophecy versus false? This is crucial and necessary given the times we're in. Imagine being in the military and you receive bad intelligence. If you act on that bad information, you will reap bad consequences. Let me give you some tips on how to avoid these false prophecies. Number one, it must line up with the Bible. I heard Dr. Lake say something that is so true. Truth loves examination. You must test the word against what the Bible says. If there is a contradiction, God and his word wins 100% of the time. Number two, look at their accuracy of their record over time. We could also say to look at their track record. You can do this by testing their prophecies using the Deuteronomy 18.22 test. If it didn't happen as a prophecy stated, then it wasn't from the Lord. If you notice many inaccuracies, I suggest stop listening to them. Bag it, turn them off. Now, I will say that nobody is perfect. Only Jesus was perfect. Sometimes even true prophets can get things wrong. Sometimes it's the flesh. But I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about those who consistently get it wrong. Maybe they're like 50-50 or 60-40 or something like that, and they're pretty consistent at it. I'm talking about those kinds of prophets. Number three, do the prophecies push you closer to a walk with Jesus or further away? Do they set you up for idolatry? It would be easy to believe the lies that come forth and to put faith in things that will never happen, especially the one about Trump returning to office. The goalposts were moved about the word about him coming back in 2022. I didn't hear what it was changed to, but I know the prophecy was changed. Listen, God is not a liar. He is not schizophrenic, double-minded, or wishy-washy. Numbers 23, verse 19. God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. He has said, or will he not do? Or has he spoken, and will he not make it good? Many of the false prophecies I have heard would make it easy to rest easy. That's exactly what the enemy wants. He wants to lead you down the wide path straight to hell if he can. Think of the prophecy of Trump returning to office in 2022. How many people bought into that? How many people idolized our previous president? How many people idolized the prophet who delivered that word? Can you see how cunning and deceitful the enemy is? Number four, if you have received a personal prophetic word, I would encourage you to seek confirmation from the Lord. According to Deuteronomy 17.6, Hebrews 10.28, and 2 Corinthians 13 verse 1, a matter shall be established by two or three witnesses. If you have received a personal prophetic word, I would advise you to document it and ask God for confirmation. He has done this with me and I'm so thankful for that. And the reason I limited this one to personal prophetic words and not just words to the masses 
is because false prophets can deliver the same message. I have seen this with prophets today where they agree, yet they still don't come to pass. I mentioned reading 1 Kings 18, 1 through 40, and Jeremiah 28, verses 1 through 17 earlier. You will see that all of these false prophets agreed, and there were many of them. Number five, do they prophesy words of repentance? Given the times we live, do they prophesy about the end times and the necessity to prepare yourself? Do they speak of impending judgment? Do they remind you of the bark of the beast? Do they remind you of the great tribulation that's coming soon? The Bible is replete with stories of true prophets, especially the Old Testament prophets. Look at the hard things Isaiah and Jeremiah had to prophesy. Look at Jonah. He didn't want to give the message to the Ninevites. Time and time again, you see similar patterns of repentance or there will be judgment. These types of prophecies are designed to push you closer to God and for Him to help you to prepare yourself. And it may even be possible that God will minimize the judgment or to, or to push it back in some way, and that's biblical as well. Furthermore, I have been a follower of Glenda Lomax and her ministry, Just Praise Him. I will leave the information so that you can go to her website where she posts prophetic words that she receives from the Lord. But when you read those words and listen to her show, much of the information is about repentance, living a holy life, laboring for the Lord, judgment, the mark of the beast, the great tribulation, and being prepared to meet Jesus. And another one that I would also add, and I'm going off notes here, is walking in your calling in the Lord. I can never recall any fluffy or cotton candy prophecies from her. Rather, they cause real change in you if you submit. I can tell you that without fail, I wouldn't be where I am right now without true prophetic words. Prophets have their place in the body of Christ, but the words must be tested. So I have covered a lot of information here, and I would like to summarize for you now. We discuss what prophecy is, what a prophet or prophetess is, biblical examples of true and false prophecy, and the role of prophecy. I also made the point that this gift, like the, all the other gifts of the Spirit, are still for today. I also provided some examples of what can go wrong. I went in-depth to explain how someone can falsely prophesy. I gave some examples of false prophecies and how you can know if they are false using the Deuteronomy 18.22 test. I explained dual-stream prophets who are infected with demons and different possibilities of demons they may have that can cause them to prophesy falsely. We also discussed some tips on how to test prophecies, which are, number one, it must agree with the Bible, two, must have an accurate track record, three, do they push you closer to Jesus or into idolatry, four, for personal prophecies, did you receive a confirmation from God through two or three witnesses, and five, do they prophesy about the end times and about being prepared to go to heaven? Again, I will also include a link to the Just Praise Him ministry by Glenda Lomax. I highly recommend her and her Just Praise Him podcast she does. They have blessed me so much over the years. I also want to remind you to do some further study for yourself by reading 1 Kings 18 verses 1 through 40, Jeremiah 23, 9 through 40, and Jeremiah 28, 
1 through 17. So that concludes this podcast. If you have any comments or questions, you can post them on www.libertyfromcaptivity.com in the blog section. Also, if you want to contact me directly, feel free to send me a message in the contact section or send an email to kelly at libertyfromcaptivity.com. Have a great rest of the week and God bless you. Desperately need